0: Hi. (laughs) Live, hello. Um, In the peace and quiet of my home, I'm doing a Facebook Live this evening. And um, I am at home, and therefore I will be subject to potential interruptions from uh, family members. So apologies in advance, they are watching a uh, MasterChef not MasterChef, what is it, Junior Bake Off type program at the moment and that is looking good so there should be peace I don't know if that's on television or just on the sort of iPlayer thing but um, hopefully that's nearby my location but I think we will have some peace for a few moments so um, this has not really worked when I first tried it because it said my connection is too weak and I'm also getting a message on my screen saying your connection is weak I'm hoping this is broadcasting. Um, so, I, I'm not sure what I can do. I had the problem when I was, you did it at the clinic, so I thought I'd do it at home. And I'm st- at home, and I've still got, I don't know if we've got a weak internet at home. I didn't know we did, but I'm at the mercy of the elements, and I might get cut off, in which case I apologise. But um, if I don't get cut off, I'm going to go through some questions. Um, I've got some questions here. I've just seen a question from Marla, was it? Um, you just just now put a question saying about implants, so I will answer that question, textured implants I think you said, do they cause less capsular contracture textured implants somehow Um, so the answer to that is yes textured implants give less capsular contracture than smooth implants the way it went the the, the sort of natural history was that they um, they developed implants which were which were smooth surfaced implants then they developed polyurethane foam implants which had a foam coating the, the scar tissue grew, grew into the foam coating they found that that had a lower rate of capsular contracture um, then they had problems with the polyurethane foam implants so they said oh we can 't use these polyurethane foam implants what can we do and so they um, created textured silicone implants which um, are trying to mimic polyurethane foam. And so this is a, a, a textured silicone implant. It's got a, like a roughened surface. It's not a smooth surface. Um, the problems they had with polyurethane implants implant subsequently have shown to be perhaps not as bad as what they thought. And so we do use, this is a polyurethane foam implant. Um, one of the companies, this is actually a mentor implant, and the, this company mentor, they, the way they make the textured implant is they get the wet silicone and they imprint it with, polyurethane foam to try and mimic the foam, So, um, and the idea is that rather than the scar tissue growing as a sheet around the implant, the texturing breaks up that scar tissue, so it doesn't form a a sheet around there, and so when it contracts, it doesn't have um, such an effect. Um, It's not quite as good as polyurethane foam, which creates a 3D 3D effect because the scar tissue grows into the foam, so that's got a lower rate of capsular contracture than the textured implants but textured implants have got a lower rate of capsular contracture than smooth implants so yes texturing does um, uh, have an an effect on creating less risk of capsular contracture and that is why it's trying to break up the scar tissue so thanks for that question Um, we've also um, got a question from Deborah from the private group um, asking about the Hondesky method of breast reduction, and why don't we use it because it's got less scarring. I've got to say, I had to look up that that method of breast reduction, I've heard of it, there's lots of methods of breast reduction, um, it's not what I was familiar with. The general principle uh, and what the point of this type of breast reduction she was saying is it gives less scarring so therefore that's better. Um, and this is something with a lot of plastic surgery um, everybody wants less scarring, in fact, people want no scarring, and um, uh, the, the balance is always that a lot of plastic surgery, a lot of what we do, um, particularly with contouring the body, which is a lot of what we're doing, whether that be contouring the breast, contouring the tummy, contouring the face, um, what we're trying to do is tighten the tissues, we're trying to tighten things because over time um, things lose their elasticity and things stretch, things sag, gravity works on the body and everything goes south and we all want to look like children who have very um, plump features and very tight, taut skin and therefore what we do is we often tighten the skin and the, the way we tighten the skin is by removing skin and, and closing things tightly and by, if you're going to remove skin you're going to get a scar that's the bottom line there's a lot of ways that people say they can do things without doing surgery and they can tighten skin and what have you but really the, the best way to tighten the skin is to remove skin if there was a way that we could somehow restore the elasticity of the skin that would be great at the moment um, really the best way to to tighten the skin is to remove skin and if you're going to remove skin you're going to cause scarring so everybody wants less scarring but less scarring means less skin removal means less tightening means less of a result so if you haven't got much laxity and that's the same whether it's in the breast or the tummy or wherever then you can get away with less scarring now specifically talking about breast reduction there are different patterns of scarring that you can get with breast reduction. All types of breast reduction give you a scar around the nipple um, and then you move on from that. The reason they all give you a scar around the nipple is because you have to move the nipple. The nipple's in a low place and you move it to a higher place. So they all give you a scar around the nipple. Um, and then you can either have a scar going straight down from there, which is the lollipop, or you can have an anchor, which is a scar going down straight, down there, straight down from there and then a horizontal extension. The, the technique that Deborah's talking about just gives a scar around the nipple and the horizontal, and it avoids the vertical scar between the two. Um, and the, the problem that I can foresee with that one, Deborah, is that, um, as I said to you in the group, uh, the problem I can foresee with that, if you don't have that vertical scar, then you're only taking skin out in an up and down direction from the breast. You're tightening the skin in an up and down direction. But one of the things about a breast reduction, one of the important things is to narrow the width of the breast. The breast is often quite wide. You have to look at before and after photos to see that. And you narrow the width of the breast. And that's what that vertical scar does. Because if you look at the markings of a breast reduction, there's a, there's a sort of oblong shape for, the, for where the nipple is. And then there's two lines that go out. And they come together to form that vertical scar. And that that, that narrows the breast, which is an important feature an important part of breast reduction. So therefore, I, I, I don't do that technique for breast reduction. I'm aware of that. I didn't know it was called the Hondesky procedure. I was aware of that type of, of, of um, skin reduction pattern, but that's something that you do in men with gynecomastia correction who've got a significant um, skin excess. I will use that, but a significant skin excess in a man is nowhere near as bad as a significant skin excess, is a sort of mild skin excess in a, in a, in a woman. So it, they never have as much... Um, skin laxity, even in a significant case of gynecomastia, so if I'm taking out less skin, I might give less scarring and use that technique, but um, not for breast reduction, less scarring, same with tummy tucks, people want mini tummy tuck, mini tummy tuck is great, but it does not get to remove as much skin, so you just have to be aware, less scarring means less um, skin reduction, so that's that type of breast reduction. Um, there's also we've got a um question from someone who's asking if they can have surgery with they've got hepatitis b um, that's something which um we have answered to to that person and um it really depends on the surgeon whether they would do a surgery on someone with hepatitis B. My personal view about that sort of thing is um that with any sort of bloodborne um, transferable, transmittable disease, hepatitis B and the other one obviously is HIV um, my view is that we don't screen for this preoperatively. we don't screen everybody for these diseases pre-operatively so I think that we should treat everyone as a surgeon we should treat everyone as if they've got uh, these diseases and if you find someone who's got hepatitis B or, or HIV you could argue, well actually you're forewarned um, about that um, and so you can put measures in place to minimize the risk. It depends on what the, the what the operation is. It depends on the surgeon but uh, it, it is not what we would call it 's not what I would call an absolute contraindication i wouldn 't just say no i won 't do surgery on you just because you 've got hepatitis B because the person after you might have hepatitis b, but we don 't know that um, so in a way you could argue that because you know that you 've got hepatitis B, you could put things in place so i my view is that I would still um, um, Um I would still um do surgery on someone with hepatitis B. Um but um you have to talk to the surgeon. Anyway, you have to discuss what the operation is. Um I've got some questions here but here's a question from Chris. Do you feel revision lipo a very small spot area under the belly button and had zero blending in? Um small spot Revision lipo such yeah. Um Yes is the answer. Two things about that. First thing, revision surgery, I would always say, Chris, that you probably um, best to go back to your regional surgeon um, because they would have a vested interest to try and get things right and they would probably or possibly do something with regards to having to pay for it. Often you may not have to pay for it or pay some kind of reduced fee. Um, if you if things aren't quite right following often things aren't quite right following surgery particularly liposuction might do too much too little might have to have a revision so I would say that you're usually better off going to be back to the original surgeon but having said that if you um, want to go somewhere else and come and see me that's absolutely fine um, you say a very small spot under the belly button if there is just a small area in the in the abdomen it might be amenable to uh, revision liposuction. Might be an option. As a general rule, liposuction on the abdomen, I feel, I don't, I don't, I often feel it doesn't give great results because it doesn't cause skin retraction. Like I was talking a minute ago about taking skin out, um, and often if you leave a bit of skin behind, it can, it does give doesn't maybe doesn't give a great result. Um, best way to recontour an abdomen is with a tummy tuck. But you, you by your question, you don't need a tummy tuck. It's just a small little bit, but under the belly button. Something you could consider, Chris, is um something like vaser liposuction. Vaser liposuction there's 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 uh assisted forms of liposuction, vaser, which uses ultrasound and there's um also laser assisted liposuction, which is things like smart lipo. They're these machines that basically have a um yeah you're very oh yeah. Um you're very welcome. But there's machines like Vaser and Smart Lipo and what they do is they have produce some energy into the fat before you suck it out. There's two benefits in that. The first benefit is they use smaller cannula, smaller tubes, so they're less traumatic, so you can often be awake when you have those procedures. When I do liposuction, you are usually asleep, but with these types of liposuction, you are often awake. And the other thing about them, because they give some energy to the fat, that can sometimes cause some um, skin retraction, and that's often what you need in the tummy, you need skin retraction. So people who come to me for abdominal liposuction, I often recommend vaso or, or Smart Lipo, sort of laser-type lipo, I don't do it though. <laughs> so I, I, um, have, to, sorry, I like you have to find someone else who does do it. I just do a traditional power assisted or suction assisted liposuction. Um, but often in the anthem and then uh, these other types might be something to look into. But if you want to come and see me, you'd be very welcome to come and see me. But um, I'll probably say this to you that often vaser and other types are good for tummy. But uh, I should do it really, shouldn't I? Um, but uh, there you go. Um, the, um, we've also had a patient who ha- was having surgery uh this week and had a cold and was asking about whether she should come along, so I, uh, we put that on the list. Uh, Veda, yeah, Vesa, yeah. Recommendations. Um... Uh I think I'm pretty sure that CC C- 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 Cat I think has got one. If you're in Birmingham, are you in Birmingham? If you're in Birmingham, CC C- Cat I think has got a laser liposuction or at least has access to it or does it. Um don't know anyone else who does it. I don't even know if she I think she does it. Um but uh if you're in Birmingham she's good. Um as ever look for a plastic surgeon fully trained. Look, you can get my book. <laughs> oh, I've got a copy here. Never accept the lift from strangers, but basically look for a fully a London. Oh there'll be there'll be people in London. You can welcome to travel to Birmingham but there'll be well, there'll be people in London. Look for a fully trained plastic surgeon, FRCS Plast after their name. BARPS and Bapras have websites um which have got lists of plastic surgeons and I'm sure there'll be people in London who do Vasa. Um I'm sorry I don't know off the top um who does vaser but there's lots of good people in, in London. Um so, um you're you Marie um um has got a question here um, about um, oh the cold yes the cold um, so basically uh, the the advice for someone if you ha- are having surgery and uh, you got a cold, my advice is always um, if, it's, if it is in this case if it's sort of quite soon before the surgery um, first of all, if you are feeling not very well and you don't, know what, you don't think you want to you know, go into a surgical procedure, then you may want to postpone the procedure, which is perfectly reasonable. So postpone it, because I know you can feel pretty rough when you have a cold, and you don't feel ill, and you don't really want to be hit by a surgical procedure at the same time. But I understand sometimes people have worked out their work commitments, and they want to have surgery anyway, and that's fine. Um, so if you really want to have the surgery, and you're just worried from a medical point of view, if you're fit enough to have surgery usually it's okay but I would say to you if it's quite close to the to the operation which it usually is because if it's far away before the operation you're probably going to get over the cold so it's usually the, the day before or a couple of days before the surgery we're probably not going to be able to get anyone into that slot so I would say to you look just come to the come to the hospital get seen by the anaesthetist and um, he or she can make an assessment on the day um, or if you want we can get the anaesthetist to give you a ring and talk to you over the phone to, to see how bad you are to get an opinion it's usually okay if it's just a cold and you're not feeling too bad it's usually okay to proceed with surgery but it's usually elective operations elective surgery which means it doesn't have to be done and so it's something that you have to be in tip-top condition so if there is any concerns, any worries um, then it's, it's no problem at all to postpone it uh, but that's the advice if you do get a bit of a cold or a sniffle before you're, before you're up um, if you want to postpone, fine but if not, come and talk to the surgeon can I um, another one from the private group here asking if I can go to the water park after surgery? I think um, this is Taryn, your um, two weeks. Are you two weeks post-op? I think um, and you can go to the water park. You can, and you can get your scars wet as long as you've um, you you don't no longer needing any dressings. So what we we I think we've taken the dressings off and just given some some gauze to wear, and as long as that gauze is coming off dry and you have sort of gotten like an open room, then um, you can go into the water. But what I would say to you is you've got to take it easy. I'd say take it easy um, for the first three or four weeks after surgery. You can do stuff, particularly lower body stuff. So, you know, well, walking, lower body stuff, I guess. So you um, can <laughs> do walking, things like that. The exercise bike is good. Running and um, what have you is, is not quite so good, but... Um, um, because of the boom, 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 so that's probably about a month or so for running but certainly um, walking and things is good after two weeks and getting wet, you know, getting into the water is fine but I won't go doing too much swimming whatever you so messing about is fine but just take it easy, it's a couple of weeks Davina, we got some photos from you about your scar Davina is, um, I think you're two months post-op and you got a scar and the scar was looking great initially then, um it started to it's looking a bit it's a bit red and a bit thicker now, isn't it? Don't worry that's normal. Your scar is totally normal um, um I've, no, no I've posted this to you already, but um that's the natural history of scars. scars often look great when they when you first have it done, and then at four four, six, eight weeks, they can look a bit thicker, they can go a bit redder, and that's just what happens to scars they as they start to n- n- knit together it um, can get a bit, um, a bit, I hope you can't hear that back- there in the background, my microphone on so I'm hoping it's not picking up the noise. I don't know what's going on out there, um, it can get a bit knitted together and it can get a bit redder, a little bit more firm, that's why after about four to six weeks I get you massaging it with cream because it's often quite red and thick and then it takes another couple of months for it to settle down, so it's totally normal, your scarring is normal and uh, don't worry, that's absolutely fine. And um just got an email from Ange. I don't know if you're out there, I don't know how I, I don't know if I can, how I can tell who's out there, but you want to tell me type I want to ask you if you're fiftieth and you're looking for the best surgeon. Um, my book tells you how to choose a surgeon. Um, yeah, but so um, basically, as I said to to Chris, look for someone who's fully qualified plastic surgeon that might sound like a weird thing because you might assume that everyone's a fully qualified plastic surgeon doing this stuff. They're not. Uh, There's not that many fully qualified plastic surgeons in the country and there's a lot of people doing this who are not fully qualified plastic surgeons. Look for FRCS Plast after their name. Um, You probably won't find anyone who specializes in tummy tuck. Just tummy tuck. Um, There's a few specialties in plastic surgery. Burns, hands, head and neck, breast, cleft. Um... I think those, those are the main ones skin um, those are the main ones um, skin being like skin cancers and things um, tummy tuck isn't one Oh, awesome he? you come in with a question excellent um, um I'm going to thumb that one up uh oh, Chris is going to feel bad now yeah. I'm going to thumb Chris up um, um so oh I was saying something about fully trained plastic surgeons. Not many in the country. Um, can't hear, but there's a loud buzzing. Oh, it's not, is it my new? Is it my new? Is it my new? Is there a loud buzzing? Is it my new microphone? Oh no! I've got a new microphone. I should have used the old one. The one? Um, oh God. Now you tell me, I've been waiting on for ages. Um, okay. Sorry. Is it bad if it's bad I'll take the microphone out. Um, okay. Oh, I was saying something about angen Abdominoplasty. So yeah, um, fully trained plastic surgeons, not many in the country look for some Oh yeah, no one specialises. No one specialises in tummy tucks. So yes. Uh, well I don't know anyone who specializes in tummy tucks. Um okay, I'm going for it. Is that better? I've gone I've gone mic, mic. the mic is out. I've got that other one, but I don't know where it is. Uh the mic's out. We're going, we're freestyling it. I Hope you can hear. Is that better with the buzzing? Um anyway, I'm glad you could hear that. Um better, okay. Oh well, that was money well spent. That um lapel mic. Um I had already, I it for other stuff. Uh, so yes, look for a, um, oh, this is big, thank you. Right, well, thanks for letting me know that it was buzzing um, 20 minutes in. Um, but anyway, <laughs> right, okay, that's uh, that's useful. Um, so yes, so look for someone, who, so it's a plastic surgeon. Um, no. No, yeah, if you're looking for a tummy tuck, I guess people, you know, uh, for me, I because of when I was in the NHS, most of my breast reconstruction I used was from the tummy. I did a lot of um, yeah, tram type things where you take the tummy tissue, so I did a lot of tummy work. So I mainly do breast and body, but m- most plastic surgeons will be doing tummy tucks. So yes, if you want to find the best, look for BARPS, BAPRAS websites, you can find someone and... Um, that's how you find a good surgeon and also meet them meet a few don't worry about meeting a few I think a lot of people get worried when they've seen other surgeons I see people who feel a bit ashamed that they've seen other surgeons we all know that you all see lots of other people um, we, know, we know that and that's fine and, and I think any good surgeon will be happy that you're seeing other people and if you get on better with the other person then that's fine no, no hard you know that's okay and uh, that's life and uh, so yes yeah, see lots of people or maybe not lots but as many as you need to see look for before and after photos make sure it's there before and after photos if you ask them about their qualifications and they feel a bit they get a bit funny about it be worried about that and that is the advice about choosing a surgeon um, so and recommendations look for someone's recommendation although it's not always easy to get recommendation so Susie has saved you the question here and we've got a question because I'm about I'm, I'm out I'm out on my list here I'm going on the comments Susie, after breast lift, straight reduction, do the sutures need to be removed or are they dissolvable? I, I use dissolvable. I think most people use, I think. I mean, I do a lot of these questions on real self. I don't know if you see real self. is a and a thing. And a lot of times, um, I think it's always good to ask the surgeon <laughs> that's doing it. I can, I can talk in general terms, but really the surgeon that's doing it is the person who knows. So I use dissolvable sutures. I always use dissolvable sutures with breast reductions. I think most people do. But I don't know. There might maybe I don't know. Maybe some people don't use dissolvable, and they use. It's not perfectly reasonable to not use dissolvable sutures. And and um, the, the, the the difference between dissolvable and non-dissolvable is that non-dissolvable sutures you can predictably um, take them out at a certain time. And so if you're very um, Worried about the getting the best quality scar and the skin's going to heal in a short time frame you use non dissolvable sutures that 's why we pretty much always use non dissolvable sutures on the face because the heal, the skin heals very quickly and you need a good quality scar somewhere like the breast you want to have it 's more important that the sutures are in for longer because you need to get the strength there, especially a breast reduction or a lift. You need the strength to be there for um, to get the wound to be healed, and so you want the sutures to be in there for longer um, and the the problem with dissolvable sutures is the scar does go a little bit red as it's dissolving, as Davina you have noticed, um, but the, the scar does go a little bit red while it's dissolving um, and they can cause a bit of irritation, sometimes they can spit out there, so they can cause some problems dissolvable sutures, but they stay there for longer, and that keeps the strength there and the wound healing and what have you. After about six months a year the result is the same, but dissolvable sutures is a little bit red in the first few months while the stitches are dissolving, um, but it's always a balance between the strength of the, skin, the scar, the strength of the wound, how much tension it's been put under, and the part of the body that you're operating on. So, as I say, the face always heals well, so you pretty much always use non dissolvable on the face. The trunk, the body, you often use, you're welcome, you often use, um, um, you, you usually use non dissolvable sutures. There is one, if it's me, um, I always use my last suture is at the at a breast structure at the T junction. I always use, put on the outside just because that's where the confluence of all the sutures are. It's the tightest point, and I always put the knot on the outside. So patients always think, "Hold on a minute, you've left the stitch there," because they can feel a knot at the outside of the skin, and they think, "Oh, he's left that stitch. That stitch has to come out." It doesn't have to come out. It dissolves and just falls off. But I just deliberately, I try and tell people. Sometimes we get to tell people, and they think, "Oh God, he's left the stitch." But I, if they do say something, I say, oh, no, "I've left the stitch. It's just..." The last one on the outside because that's where all the stitches come together so yeah bottom line I use dissolvable ask your surgeon what he or she is going to use but um, I think a lot of people use dissolvable um, for those reasons and we use several layers of dissolvable sutures um, so excellent thank you I have um, sorry about the buzzing first half uh, of the thing trying a new technique with a new mic um, back to the one in the, the white one in the year looks like um, next week. And if you've got any more questions, go for it now, or um, or e- um, email or post on Facebook or whatever. And I will we'll make a list and we'll go through them next week. So thank you or I'm gonna um, sign off now. Uh, so thanks very much. Nice to see everybody here. Uh, some old faces, but not you know people I know. I mean not old faces. And uh, yeah, speak to you soon, and I'll do it again next week. I have above Susie. Yeah, I have above Susie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's that me, Mrs. Bick? Is that a question? Um. Okay. I have. I'm trying to think, think how that could have been a typo. Anyway, you have above Susie. Um, okay. Um, so I'm going to sign off here. If that's okay. And and uh, and yeah. Oh, awesome. Sorry, you, uh, you. Yeah. Can I sign off now, Mrs. Big? Is that all right? You got? Have you got? Have I got? Any missed questions? I don't think I have. No. So I'm signing off. And um, I will see you soon. Next week. Do it next week. Monday, Tuesday. Monday. or t- It's Tuesday day, isn't it? Maybe Tuesday. Bye. Thank you, Claire. And that's me. Good. All right, then. <laughs> Bye.